0: Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen. And Hayden Bo. And today's just us. Today's our anniversary.
1: I'm back, baby. Happy birthday. Uh, happy happy anniversary. birthday. What? Happy birthday. Happy birthday
0: to <laughs> you. <laughs> happy anniversary. anniversary. Uh, today we have a, a light conversation about my pro debut in boxing, my career, how I got to where I am and why? What's the reason? Why is Steffi Cohen boxing? What the heck is Steffi Cohen boxing? I'll answer all of those questions that you might have and more in this episode. Uh, we um, also discuss influencer boxing.
1: Oh yeah, that's a uh, that's a you hot know, topic. It's a hot topic right now. A lot of people are saying, and there's two sides to it. Some people are saying it's bringing some good attention and putting some life back into the sport of boxing that was sort of fizzling out there for a while. Uh, Other side of the coin is a bunch of bitter boxers uh, saying that it's ruining the sport and that the people doing it are disrespecting the sport. So we give our opinions on that as well. Uh, Make sure you screenshot this episode when you're listening to it. Post it in your stories on Instagram or whatever social media you use. Tag me, tag Steffi, tag uh, Hybrid Unlimited. Uh, And you'll automatically be entered in a draw to potentially win some hybrid uh, legacy brand swag. It is the dopest streetwear and gym wear in the game. And uh, yeah, all you have to do is screenshot the episode. It's a pretty sweet deal if you ask me.
0: One last thing before we get started. You know what's coming up? What's coming up? In December.
1: In December? Uh Uh-huh. What's that?
0: The Hybrid Showdown 4.
1: Ooh. I. Yeah. The most
0: anticipated dope powerlifting meet of the year is coming back to Miami, Florida, specifically Wynwood, at a dope venue. We're giving out.
1: A currently undisclosed number, but it's big large in cash prizes cash this is going to be the money biggest prize purse we've ever done by a long shot long a shot. long shot people we're gonna be putting out the uh, exact date the prize purse what we're gonna give out for first second third male and female all that good stuff is coming soon so make sure you're. hey, following.
0: hey let's just say daddy <laughs> let's just say daddy's backing up the brakes truck
1: oh yeah Shout out to the, the D'Elia fans for that one. But uh, yeah, you're definitely gonna wanna stay tuned. Uh, we're gonna do some really some really cool stuff with this meet. So um, yeah, follow all the, the pages, the Hybrid Performance Method page, the Hybrid Performance Method gym page, uh, and whatever else from the- <laughs> That's the prize money coming in.
0: Oh, it's right here. It just, yeah, sir, you can leave it right there.
1: <laughs> if you're a top power lifter, that's, uh, you know, that could be yours. So definitely check that out. You want to hear that again?
0: Oh, there's another one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> on music tonight, ears. This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. Check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code HYBRID in all caps to get 10% off. This podcast episode is also brought to you by BEAM. BEAM is committed to producing high-quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. BEAM creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off. Uh, All right, guys. Sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. I've only seen one musical that I actually liked, and Mm -hmm. it was The Book of Mormon. Uh Um, But even then, I was like, I'd rather it was just a play. Really? Yeah, Or, or better yet, a movie. You know,
0: I see that's fair. That's fair.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I'm for not big each, on those.
0: For each their own, you know,
1: that was the other thing that I realized the other day, too. Like I'm over museums. I'm done. I'm done pretending I give <laughs> a shit about museums like, and
0: historical places.
1: Oh, my God. We had that realization in Portugal uh-huh. where <laughs> everyone was like, you got to go to this castle, whatever it is. Like we didn't even we didn't know what it was, but it was some historic castle. Uh, and we get there.
0: But the g- main thing was, no, we don't just get there. It was way out of we the way. We slept there. Yeah. You understand what I mean? It was a mission. Yeah. To see was, this castle.
1: It was like a two hour drive out of the way to go see this place.
0: In the mountains. And Plus we, like a walk <laughs> yeah,
1: or something. It was a walk. And then we got there and we're like, huh. <laughs> looks just like the picture. Cool. And then we left.
0: Look at that. It's a castle.
1: Wow. Cool. Wow! People were, they didn't lie. It is in fact a castle. It and
0: looks exactly like that photo. <laughs> Not of like, a castle. I don't get it. And any other castle that n- I've ever seen.
1: Natural wonders of the world, I understand. Absolutely. Okay. Because there's something, a lot of them are things like waterfalls that are super powerful, you know, or like really grand, like so things that are so big, like the Grand Canyon, you can't wrap your head around it. Like to see that in person is different than the picture.
0: The other thing that I would appreciate are uh, well-kept prehistoric or ancient ruins.
1: Yeah. You, but you don't like restored ones.
0: I don't like restored ones. So I had a problem with Machu Picchu. Yeah. Machu Picchu was way too uh, commercial and way too restored. You know, it it almost lost its charm. You know, it looked like Disneyland. Yeah. I might as well be in Vegas and, you know, at the mini uh, Pisa tower. <laughs> like legit, that's how it felt. <laughs> all the tourists in line, the llamas are all... all uh, tranquilized. Tranquilized and like <laughs> tagged. And you're, like, in line walking through the ruins and shit.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, getting ripped off by street vendors in, like, mm-hmm. Cusco was a better, more authentic experience.
0: I'm all about that. I'm all about authentic experiences and just, like, being immersed in the culture and just that. Talking to people who live there, going to local places, trying the food, you know, learning a few mm. words in that language, making friends in those places kind of living the lifestyle. That's yeah that's what I like more I like about that traveling. Way yeah. My
1: parents took me to uh, the Louvre in Paris when I was like twelve years old. <clears throat> and literally every single thing that I looked at I had to be like what is the minimum amount of time I have to look at this thing and pretend I'm interested before I can like
0: move on to the next move
1: thing? on to the next thing in a non disrespectful way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what did what was your conclusion?
1: I don't know. I I think I just waited for my parents to they were, their were gaze from whatever we were looking at and I was like, okay, we're done looking at this one. <laughs> you know, every and every once in a while there's something super cool, but it's like if it's just like the Mona Lisa, like that's an average looking painting, right? It got super famous for a number of different reasons, but it's just a regular ass painting of a chick. Right? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I think. Sh- you know, I
0: think art connoisseurs would disagree. Well,
1: oh, but I'm I'm not gonna go there and be like. Whoa. Isn't what special?
0: Hold on, isn't what's special about the Mona Lisa that it like looks at you in every in every direction?
1: <laughs> no, dude, it's not one of those magic picture thingies. Yeah, I, I don't think Nick. it is. Nick, is it Nick is and that
0: I, true? N- yeah. No. Yeah, it's supposed. You're supposed to like almost like perceive. That it's looking at you, no matter what angle you look
1: at it. I thought what was like supposed to be special, not special about it, but like what made it well, like well known, was that it was so like mundane and normal, like it was, like the extremely average. You know what I mean? It's like the most medium.
0: No, I'm pretty sure that's not it. I'm pretty sure that's not one rated famous.
1: <laughs> <laughs> some art connoisseur is ripping his hair yeah. out listening to us. Just pretend we know about art. Yo,
0: you're you're so close to being canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can get canceled for by uh, the entire for art. art community. Oh, by yeah. the art community, yeah, yeah.
1: I do appreciate some art. Like I love street art. I love all the graffiti and stuff here in Wynwood. It's stuff that resonates with me and like has pop culture references that I'm interested in. Yeah. You know.
0: Personally, I just, I like things that, that are, that are interesting, that spark conversation and that makes a bunch of different things together. Like for example, we have a painting at our house that has, I don't know, 10 or 12 different characters from completely different eras in one, in one picture, all interacting with each other and that I find really interesting and honestly there every time someone new comes to our house they have a comment about that mm-hmm. you know it's it catches their eye they look at all the characters they read the messages that are there they ask they ask us questions about why we have that where we got Who it the from is. yeah
1: yeah that was cool that was that was one that's probably my favorite piece of art ever and it was the first thing we got for our house our house literally looked like a hospital it was like sterile none of the walls had been painted yet we had temporary furniture in there.
0: We had like a picnic table and an IKEA couch and an amazing, <laughs> incredible like <laughs> like seven seven by five foot tall painting. Bigger, bigger
1: I think. But yeah, that was <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, yeah. Well, that was a wild tangent to start that podcast. But um, I think what we wanted to talk about was your first fight. Because it happened a little while ago, and um, we've both been doing a bunch of other stuff and doing solo podcasts or, and some with Simon and all that stuff. I think Daddy hasn't been on the mic since we were in Las Vegas, Damn. so it's been it's been a while. Um, but yeah, I think I I think it'd be cool for the listeners to hear about your mindset going into that, what your expectations were, what was different. Um, there's actually a lot of things that I think would be interesting to talk about. But mm-hmm. Where do you want to start? Um, I think do you want to start with this, the structure of boxing and the differences between amateur and pro and all that kind of stuff? Because I think yeah. that's lost on a lot of people, and they don't really understand. So do um, you want to go, or do you want me to go?
0: Yeah, so, okay. The first thing is, you know, after my fight and after I, I – I announced that it was a professional fight, uh, that it was my first one. There are a lot of people criticizing the fact that I don't have an amateur record, which to a certain extent I understand. That's the traditional pa- path of, of boxers usually is to build an amateur record. Like people have, you know, hundreds of amateur fights before they before they turn pro. All that amateur means is that you're competing with headgear, and I don't know what else. I think
1: uh, and, it. and it's a, a point system instead of right, right. Instead of like a, a, a legit fight. Mm-hmm. So you get you can literally touch the person l- like you know as light as lightly as you can touch a person, uh-huh. but when you make contact, you get a point.
0: Right, exactly.
1: And all three judges have to acknowledge that you did that for it to count as a yeah,
0: point. Yeah, exactly. Um, the thing with amateur boxing is that you don't get paid, and
1: right. the other
0: thing with amateur boxing is that you can go to the Olympics, although they changed it. Now pros can also go to the Olympics.
1: Yeah. If I'm not I'm, mistaken. Yeah. That's what I heard as well. I'm total. I'm unclear on, on
0: me too. I'm not hundred percent sure, like, but what that's what I heard. The
1: gray areas are there and stuff, but I, I did hear that. Um, and I think, I think amateur boxing makes sense when you're talking about younger people, because, you know, going pro right away is a risk. First of all, that's, that's a record that counts for you. If you want to make money in this sport and mm-hmm. a couple of losses on your record, is a problem in yeah. professional you have to boxing. Pro-
0: you have to protect that record like yeah. it's your baby.
1: Yeah. So there's that. Um, and I think it's good for for kids, especially if it's kids, but even like younger adults, to not be put in a scenario right away where you're getting your head smashed around a lot. Point system boxing can teach you some technique. You can learn how to box in a little bit of a less stressful environment, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as opposed to, you know, there's, a, there's literally entire like like athletes their whole game plan for every fight is to just try to get a knockout like Mm you have people trying to take your head off in in professional boxing so that's that's different um
0: but for me i mean the main reason why i what why i didn't care about building my record as an amateur is because i'm 29 years old you know i really don't have the the time or the energy to to be spending so many years trying to learn how to fight amateur to then start building my pro record i also have to make money and if i'm stepping away from powerlifting that means that for the time being that means that i need to be doing something else that will drive revenue towards hybrid and towards myself so that just made a lot more sense than than taking the the super super slow route then when it comes to professional boxing um, we spoke a little bit about protecting the record and that's another thing people don't understand Let me let me backtrack a little bit. So one of the comments that I saw being mentioned a lot after my fight was about the appearance of my opponent. Right. That's one thing I really want to address. Um, I don't stand by any of those comments by any means. I think it's completely unfair to judge anybody based on their appearance. Um, their skills as an athlete, based on their appearance, that is a, that girl is a warrior. She's a girl that was four and three. She's been she's been boxing for many many years, and as a pro, as a pro, and um, she 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 knows how to move around the ring and she knows how to box.
1: Uh-huh. How she
0: looks means absolutely nothing.
1: Yeah, well, I think fighting more than anything, appearance doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, like perfect example of that is Andy Ruiz. He freaking beat Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua, yeah. Joshua is a Jacked. specimen of a man. Yeah, they got into the ring together, and even people who knew boxing were like, "Oh, Andy Ruiz is gonna get fucked up," mm-hmm. and then he didn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he won. Yeah. You know, so
0: yeah, your looks don't matter at all in yeah. boxing at all. But Maybe if anything, it it has a like an intimidation factor for your opponent. I I psychologically, know, yeah, I know that to be the case because think about my opponent. I know that I heard her saying that she was anxious before the meet.
1: Yeah. I'd be and, anxious if, I, if you were going to punch me in the head too.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I look <laughs> I, I look intimidating, but because of my muscle mass, my body composition, you know, but, you know, I, I still look this this same way last year when I didn't know how to fight and maybe I would have stepped in the ring and she would have still been intimidated based on the way I look, but it said nothing about my skills as a fighter, right? So that's the first thing I wanted to, to uh, get out of the way. And then the second part, I think, you know, a lot of people uh, – or I guess most people who follow me are used to seeing me perform at the highest level, which makes sense given that I spent the last 10 years working on one thing, which was strength. So right. it makes sense that they're used to, you know, seeing me as a professional and as, as like the highest level athlete possible. Now, I realized this when I, when I watched Clarissa Shields step into the uh, MMA uh, octagon because I caught myself, I'm like, you know, I saw her on the uh, doing her groundwork, and my initial reaction was like, "Damn, like she's not that good." And then I was like, "Wait, yeah, she's no been shit. <laughs> no shit. She's not good. Like she just started doing this. Obviously, you know, to expect her to perform at the same level as her boxing is completely unrealistic, given the amount of time that she's been doing it." So, I think the um, the, the the expectation that that my followers and and her followers have for us competing in a brand new sport needs to be adjusted. You know, Um, I think she I thought she looked great. Obviously, I I, I think and I know she agrees and everybody that she has things to work on, which is fine. She's a beginner at this new sport. Um, And I think people need to cut us some slack. You know, I saw a lot of people commenting on on my videos. Oh, you you brawled at the end like you don't know how to box. Yeah, no shit. Like that was my first fight. Obviously, I'm Uh gonna I'm gonna make mistakes. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Few points. First of all. I think that any real high-level boxing pro completely understands that, right? It's the casual watcher or the people who follow you from powerlifting who maybe don't understand as well. But you're talking about Clarissa, Clarissa Shields, and she was actually someone who commented on the mm-hmm. highlight video of your fight, being like, "Wow, that was gr- that's amazing for your first fight. Like, keep going. You'll just keep getting better, whatever." You know. So you're getting, you know, it's acknowledgement from arguably the best female boxer right now it's like her and katie taylor kind of right yeah um uh you know who understands because she's going through the same thing in mma Mm -hmm. and then uh the other thing was the only part of that whole fight the the three rounds that it lasted um where you kind of brawled a little bit was at the end and it was when you smelled blood in the water and you were going for the knockout and got it you know so it's like you didn't Keep your technique the same you know it wasn't textbook at the end but like you finished the fight and leading up to that you were super technical you're like you're doing great like really good defense uh working that the double jab and doing all the stuff that you've been practicing really well so like obviously i'm biased because i think anything you do is awesome but even just as a fan of the sport like it was cool to see you showing those skills so early on
0: yeah and I felt, I I felt the exact same way. I felt technically sound for the majority of the fight except for that moment. Also going into the fight. So I think something that played a role in that was that going into the fight when I was speaking to my coaches, they basically were both kind of, um, they put the, the, the second round, second round knockout in my head. And after the second round was over and I hadn't done that, I got a frustrated and like desperate almost because uh-huh. i felt like i didn't stick to the game plan like they were expecting the second round knockout and i wasn't i couldn't do it right. and that got me a little bit desperate so the second that i i, I think i landed a jab and then i landed across and that's when i felt her you know kind of like lose herself a little bit and then i just kind of like went for it what's As that much, like
1: what was like the sign where you're like like she's hurt i can finish the fight here
0: she just looked wobbly
1: like, like, do you see something in her eyes or you just saw her wobble? Yeah, I,
0: I saw her physically wobble and just her base, her, her base was different. You know, her hands were down. She wasn't looking at me. She was looking somewhere else. Like she was definitely disoriented. Okay. And that's kind of like when I, when I went for it. Um, the other point I wanted to make was um, about this, the skill level of my opponent. I don't know what people are expecting that I was going to fight for my first fight. Like, why did they expect me to get into the ring with Katie Taylor?
1: It's an impossible, uh, like, scenario for you to win against internet trolls because they'll either do this. They'll say, Steffi Cohen would get fucked up by a super legit boxer. And they'd be like, and you're like, well, yeah, probably. It's (laughs) my first pro fight ever. Yeah. You know? So then you fight someone who's not that and they're like, Oh, she beat up this girl. That's not that good. <laughs> it's like, what do you want, man? I'm an I'm brand new, and you fought a girl who had seven professional fights. You, you know, know, it's your first time in the ring. You're gonna. The point of f- why you fight is because you got both fighters are trying to win. You so know. you're pretty sure you're gonna win. You're gonna yeah. choose an opponent that you think you can beat.
0: That you think you can beat. However, yeah. like it's all it's an odds game, right? It's a plus, it's a probability game. And I spoke to Pedro afterwards, my coach, and uh, he was saying that a lot of people were, a lot of people around him were criticizing for picking that, op- criticizing him for picking that opponent for me, because she had so much more ring experience in, in the pros.
1: Oh, like they were nervous.
0: They were nervous. Ricky was nervous. Kareem was nervous. Remember?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I do remember. I do remember Kareem being nervous. Kareem was. Ricky's nervous. pretty good at hiding it. But. Yeah,
0: but he was also like, when I told him who the girl was, he was like, "Oh, really? Like, whoa." you know and here's the reason when I spoke to Pedro Pedro knows his shit like let's start there for yeah. those who don't know Dr. Pedro Diaz who's my coach he's a world-renowned boxing coach like hall of famer coach um has taken so many people to the highest level and still continues to do so
1: he's very well known for being Codo's uh coach for being what Miguel Codo's mm-hmm, coach
0: mm-hmm. he coached didn't he coach Mayweather for a fight too I'm not sure I can't remember. Anyway. Can't confirm or deny that one. Yeah. El Chagal, um, uh, Redondio, um, I don't know. Now he's coaching um, Yildrim, the guy who just yeah. fought Canelo. He's coaching um, Tyron Woodley, um, Paige Van Sant, Sukan, um, the Chinese dude. Yeah. who's a, that guy's an sick. Absolute, I love watching that I guy. I love watching that guy. So yeah, I mean, listen. The guy know what he's doing. Not only does he know how to coach, but he knows how to set people up for success. So one thing that he explained to me was the reason why he chose that opponent and not an opponent that's like 0 and 12. You know, just 12 <laughs> losses. Yeah. Is because who you win, who you win to matters as well. So he didn't want me to win to an absolute can. Right. He he set me up to win against somebody who is pretty much even like he, he purposefully looked for someone who doesn't have a negative score. So a negative score means or, and who's not coming from a loss. That girl was coming from a win in her last fight and did not have a negative score. Right. So for the, for, for those people saying that, you know, I, I fought against a nobody or a can or a taxi driver from wherever you could not be any further from the truth. That was an opponent that was picked. Um, because it was a it was appropriate and because it wasn't it wasn't yeah. an easy opponent for I, me. I, I the girl angry. you saw her, the girl knew how to fight.
1: Yeah, you know, I was I was pretty nervous uh when you landed a few big shots on her and she didn't seem that phased at the beginning. I was like, Oh dude, yeah. I, I expected you, you to land a power punch and her to evaporate into thin air immediately. You I know? expected that too. And <laughs> okay. I
0: landed I landed some good left hooks
1: Uh uh-huh that left hook of yours is nasty um yeah but for sure and i I don't want to make it sound like you got a ton of negative feedback because you didn't it was overwhelmingly positive yes like you know people i think i think actually the most people just thought what you did was awesome which was really cool to see but it's always the squeaky wheel like like the squeaky negative wheel that gets the attention so um i'm glad we can at least address it
0: okay yeah another thing i wanted to address um, why am I boxing? Yeah. So coincidentally, quote unquote, influencer boxing is booming. Oh, yeah. Just FYI for anyone who's listening, I got into boxing before that was the case.
1: Yeah. You're also not an influencer boxer. Mm, you, you no, what, I'm
0: like, <laughs> I'm an athlete first. I'm not, I don't consider myself an influencer.
1: No, I've always, you have influence because you've achieved things. So people look to you for, advice and guidance on things but it's you're not just somebody who i'm not an entertainer your, you're not yeah yeah exactly you're not just somebody who vlogged their life and people found it interesting
0: right i didn't blog my life into fame
1: mm-hmm. yeah right
0: uh so yeah i mean i got into boxing prior to influencer boxing being so hot and um i don't consider myself an influencer i consider myself an athlete first and that was my plan always with boxing. So for those of you who don't know how I got into it, maybe I should tell that story.
1: Yeah, I do. So, because it's, it's so cool. And it's so cool that we have footage from like day one, dude, day it's one. it's crazy, right? Yeah. So
0: yeah, it was the beginning of the pandemic, the beginning of the lockdown. So it was right, like... Right,
1: yeah, because we couldn't leave. We couldn't right. leave the house.
0: It was April, April, May of 2020 and um i hadn't taken a break from powerlifting in who knows how long 6 years 5 ever. years whatever ever i never took a break from powerlifting yeah. ever not
1: since you started it
0: yeah and obviously like anyone who doesn't take a break from a sport i was feeling pretty beat up i had some nagging injuries that i hadn't been able to shake off because i was always i always had this this feeling of uh urgency that i had to compete that i had to show up that i had something to prove that i had to kind of Protect my reputation, my title, my records. You know, uh-huh. and so I just never took a break. I, I just always wanted to be.
1: And I think also it's important present. to note that um, those uh, concerns and that urgency you felt was valid. Yeah. Right. Like it's very easy for somebody to. This is a tangent, but yeah. I, I just always think this. It's very easy for someone to say, "Oh, just like if you have a back problem, then take time off and come back." It's like, no, man. You have a, a very small window of time. Where you can perform at your athletic peak, mm-hmm. and not only that, but you have a you had a you know we have a business, a business that that depended w- on me that depended on your reputation and your uh, dominance in a sport. You know, so it's like if you didn't go to a meet, they'd be like, "Oh, what are you trying to duck?" So and so, you know, you had to go to all the big meets every year, and sometimes that meant doing a competition and rolling right into the day one of the next training cycle. You know, then, then as soon as we got, we got back from wherever mm-hmm. it was, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm, man, that beats the shit out of your body. Mm-hmm. And especially you, who is somebody who was pushing literally the limits of what human beings can do. You did things that human beings have never done. You know, it's like, yeah, your body's going to going to start to hurt a little.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. I remember the first two or three years when I was running the uh, the first 12 weeks of hybrid powerlifting
1: <laughs> yeah, on, on repeat. repeat.
0: I would it was 12 weeks of hybrid powerlifting. And I would do them the whole 12 weeks in prep for a meet. I would go compete, break records, say like that would be like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Come back Monday, day one again from the same cycle.
1: Yeah, which was nuts because anyone who's done those blocks of hybrid powerlifting knows they're motherfuckers, man. Listen, those it's, are so- hybrid
0: powerlifting is squat four days a week, deadlift three days a week, bench three days a week. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Three days a week, so I think it goes squat five reps. And you're
1: doing sumo and conventional deadlift and in conventional. that program.
0: Yeah, for squat it was five reps, four reps. No six. Five, six five four two. Three. No three. No. Six five
1: four three. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're six
0: right. five four three. Max yeah. effort for the day. In deadlift, we had a ten a five rep day, a ten rep day, a three rep day. No, a one rep, uh three sets of one rep day.
1: Uh, the two by one. Been a two while since one. we ran it. We're a little oh rusty gosh, on the yeah. numbers, but yeah. But no. you know, I used to do three yeah. by
0: one, not two by one.
1: That's true. You did. Yeah. You did.
0: Because I don't know for some reason, if it's not three sets, I didn't feel like I was doing enough.
1: That's also just uh, you. Yeah. like oh, Everyone else is doing two. I'm gonna do three. <laughs> so <silly. laughs>
0: yeah. So yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I was I was beat up, and not not only physically, but also mentally. I was so burnt out. Uh-huh. Not not really enjoying myself anymore at the gym. I really. I felt like I lost the dog in me for powerlifting, and I needed I needed a break. I wasn't intending to not do it again, right? But because I kind of allowed myself to take a break because of the pandemic. Nobody knew the lockdown. Nobody knew when the next competition was going to be. Everything was paused. Everything was postponed. The Arnold was postponed. Everything was postponed. So there was no point in really lifting if if I don't know when I'm going to compete, right? So. Um, decided to say, take a step back from that and just kind of f- find a way to fall in love with fitness again. Which is because, man, I mean, I've been I've been playing sports at the highest level of my entire life since I was six years old. Mm-hmm. You know, and and really is it's a massive part of my identity and genuinely it's what I enjoy the most doing. You know, anything I, anything else I do during the day is for the purpose of being able to train at some point during the day. Right. So. I just needed to find something that made me f- obviously feel good physically, but also, you know, reignited that kind of flame for, for sports that I had for so many years.
1: This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. They are an athlete-focused meat company. Uh, always, never, ever, no hormones, no antibiotics. They source from ranchers who are for the animals to free-range graze in low-stress environments on nutrient-rich regenerative grass. Montana is known for having very productive farmland and the nutrient-rich grass consumed by the animals is passed on to us. They cater to athletes who require the best quality products to put in their bodies. Nutrition is the base of our existence. The better the quality of the inputs, the less stressed out our bodies will be and the more efficient they will run. Quality, convenience, small batch, that's Stay Classy Meats. Check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code HYBRID in all caps to get 10% off. This podcast episode is also brought to you by Beam. Beam is committed to producing high quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off.
0: So I started doing a little bit of CrossFit. I had a, a, a few goals there. I wanted to break the world record of DT, that, that workout that's like, I forget what the <laughs> yeah, rep scheme yeah, is, yeah. but it's like it's like you can't let go of the bar and it's deadlift, hand clean, and push press.
1: Is that what it is? Yeah. Those are the movements. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, those are the movements, but I don't know the, the rep scheme. And I wanted to break the world record like in terms of time of that. I wanted to break the wor- world records uh, in the grace which is 30 jerks for a time
1: oh yeah
0: i wanted to do that one uh so i just started i,
1: I did that one as uh when i was a weightlifter why did, did you i did a really good time like a minute something like fast but um i had i call it wad lung like where you you know not only could i taste pennies but i just had like a smoker's cough for a week after i did Perfect. it That's the ripped worst. ripped me apart
0: yeah that's the worst. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we started doing a little bit of CrossFit, like, at the beginning there, um, going for runs, remember? Oh, yeah. Going for runs, just trying to get our cardio better. Man, I could not run a quarter of a mile, or more than a quarter of a mile, without stopping.
1: Yeah, because, well, your quads just filled up, like uh, like, balloons <laughs> with blood, and then you couldn't, you literally just... They were just too stiff, like you couldn't move. I couldn't anymore. move, and the same thing was to me. We we're such fat power lifters, man. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> same thing was happening to me with my uh, with my calves. Remember, I would get to a point where I just couldn't plant or flex my calf anymore. It was just stuck, or dorsiflexed. It was just stuck in this weird neutral. Also, I'm pretty sure we were range. we
0: were not we were running in Yeezys or some shit. Like, <laughs> I, had, not I, I had I had
1: which I'm sure for somebody who's well conditioned for that, that's fine. But No, it,
0: those those it, hurt your calves because they're so stiff on the sole. Really? Because those are meant to also be able to do cleans Dude, yeah, and box true, jumps true. and like things like that. So they
1: an all-purpose shoe, but when I switched to a running shoe, it did make a world of difference.
0: Those running shoes that Lee recommended are the best.
1: Yeah. The Shout out to uh, Lee
0: Yeah, O N. What are they called? On Cloud or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cloud, remember what they're whatever. They're great. They're though.
0: really good. Not sponsored, by the way. <laughs> um. So, yeah, we started just doing conditioning, doing some uh, CrossFit. And, but, man, it's so difficult for me to do something without a purpose. So right. difficult. You remember that day we went out We went out for a run? And we were, like, on the corner right next to it, like, at the end of the street, like, from our house. Right. And I just, like, stopped. And I was like, man, I think I, like, I lost my competitive spirit. Like, I remember when even a run was a competition for me. Like I would go out for a run with... I remember going with Ilya with my Uh ex-boyfriend and like it would be a competition, you know? Yeah. And I just, I don't know if it was because of that because I was so burnt out from competing or like so over it that I just kind of really didn't care anymore. Like at the first sign of uh, being tired, I just kind of stopped. I just didn't want to work myself, work my way through pain anymore. It was like I was over it. And that's when I realized it was a problem. I started reading that book by David Goggins can't hurt me. Can't hurt me, which I loved. It really kind of took me out of that slump to a certain extent. He talks a lot. Because what I love about that book is that it uh it it gives you challenges throughout the book. I think it's it's ten different challenges that he gives you.
1: On oh, quick aside, because I know there's a certain type of person right now who's listening and they're like, No, I don't like David Goggins for it. it's like shut up. Okay. it doesn't matter if you like agree with his personal life or any of those other things. You can read the book and if and if it has good, uh, you know, insights in it that you can apply to your life, even if you get one thing from a book, it's valuable. So, yeah, I recommend you give things a try.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the main thing with with that book was just that he would tell you about his experience defeating discomfort and pain and then he would just challenge you to try something that is slightly uncomfortable so I think one of the cha- the first ones that I did was waking up before 6 a.m. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. And then doing some, some other activity that makes you uncomfortable too, right?
0: Well, I paired those like that. It's like okay. those were two challenges in one, but I think one was just like waking up early, like before the sunrise, watching the okay. sunrise. Um, then, yeah, doing something that's uncomfortable to you, which for me was running. So I started running a mile every day, mm-hmm. even though I didn't want to do that, you know. Um, and then I don't know. No, I was just so uh, so frustrated with everything. I randomly I saw an ad. We saw an ad on on Instagram of these like vintage bags that looked super cool. Yeah. And I was like, damn, like that bag would look cool. Modest vintage, Modest was vintage the company.
1: Also not sponsored, but everybody's getting shoutouts today apparently.
0: Wow. <laughs> you guys are lucky. Uh, yeah, super cool vintage boxing equipment like with like handcrafted leather, really nice. And we were like, oh, man, that would look sick inside of our house. Remember, like we were thinking about like putting it inside. as just like decoration because it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we got it and we filled it up with a few sandbags. We put sand in a Ziploc bag. In Ziploc yeah, bags we, we Googled for the how bottom. to do
1: it. It actually turned out great.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's fine. We put uh, the bottom with sand uh, sandbags and Ziplocs and then we, we just, bro, there's so much uh, hybrid clothing in there.
1: Yeah, every It's like do, every a like hidden double, treasure now. Double, like double pair of sh- or shirt that we had that we like.
0: And sweaters you know, and yeah, I think that. old uh, towels and blankets. There's all sorts of things in there. Yeah. So we filled it up with uh, just a bunch of like old yeah, clothes and Yeah, the core was sand, so the that it was, was hard, sand. and then right.
1: the clothing went all around it. Yeah. So that you don't bust your hand on it.
0: Yeah. And um, we just grabbed the chain and we and we hung it initially. On the pull-up bar from the squat rack. Oh, I
1: forgot that that's where it started. Yeah. Yeah, that,
0: it was there for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So we hung it on the on the squat rack. And then I just started, uh, my friend uh, Dave Batista gave me some boxing gloves, some fair pink Fairtex boxing gloves a few years ago, and they were just there collecting dust. And I took him, and I just started hitting the bag without really knowing what the hell I was doing. But it felt really good. You know, it was like a, like a, like a frustration, anger release to hit the bag. It felt mm-hmm. really good.
1: And so, it was an exercise you could do pain-free. Because
0: mm-hmm, my back was hurting me and yeah. it actually felt good. That like rotation with a, like the absorption of shock, like it really felt good on my back and, and it was fun uh, and, and really difficult cardio wise. Like it was a, it was a challenging conditioning workout, even just like to hit the bag for a couple of minutes at yeah, a time. Yeah, I think
1: people don't realize that. I mean, just even hold your hands up for, th- for a three minute round, just Hold them up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, if you're not used to that sort of thing, that gets tired really fast.
0: Yeah. I forgot about that, like, how difficult it was, because now, I mean...
1: No, now you can go for days.
0: Yeah, I can do 18 rounds, no problem. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, hung the bag, started hitting it, and then I got hit up by somebody, who's my coach now. His name's Kareem, on Instagram. And he, at the time, during the, the lockdown... He was doing house calls like yeah. he, would, he would coach people outside, like on the street or like in parks and such. And he offered his help if I wanted to do training. And I said, yeah, he came in for one session and it was super fun. We started doing them together. Remember the first few? Yeah. Hayden and I. Oh, well, uh, yeah.
1: For like a couple of months there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we would do we would do our sessions on the street right in front of our house and we would piss off all the neighbors for some reason.
1: Yeah. They didn't like that. I don't know why.
0: What's the. What's their problem?
1: Uh, I I think. Hold on,
0: let me let me rectify something. This is a street (laughs) where there's barely any traffic. Okay, it's not like we're stopping traffic and we're inconveniencing people.
1: By the way, we were man. We used to play road hockey growing up. We'd have all the whole game out there with nets and stuff. And as soon as the car came, everyone just went. Someone would yell "car!" and we'd get off the road really quick and go back.
0: Bro, but the people that were getting upset weren't even the people in cars. No, the people that were getting upset at us were people who were walking who were afraid. To be less than six feet close to us outside in the sun.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. That we we're, we're the youngest people in our neighborhood by like twenty years, and uh, you know, it can it can get a little uh, little uppity there sometimes. So, I think that in general we're ripping through there in fast cars. We're having our dog run around the neighborhood with the, you know <laughs> our
0: loud motorcycles with
1: this with the scooter. Yeah, we've got motorcycles like boxing in the street they're like what is going on
0: yeah anyway so that's how it started Hannah and i were sparring out there taking our boxing lessons and then next thing you know one session a week turned into two into three into four and then i just put a ring at the gym <laughs> took a bunch of platforms out and then put a ring in the gym and uh the rest of it is history um no you know I think about when I first got into both Olympic weightlifting and powerlifting. Okay, this is what's interesting. So I told you about this realization I had a while back about soccer. Uh-huh. And what a big lesson I got from it. You know, I sucked at soccer when I first got into it. I started when I was six or seven years old. And I didn't make the starting team until I was twelve. You know, it took me six, five or six years to make it to the starting team. Like, I'm not even talking about... Michael
1: Jordan
0: story. Huh? Michael Jordan story? I wasn't good. I really wasn't. I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the most coordinate. I I wasn't the best conditioned. I wasn't... But I had a lot of heart. Like, I really wanted to play. I was so motivated. I loved the game. You know, I would stick around after practice. I would train with the guys. I just genuinely enjoyed being there. There Mm -hmm. was no other reason why I had to train that way. There was no... No kind of like other, like higher purpose. Why I had to be training there? No one was forcing me to. Nothing. Like I was just doing it because I loved soccer. And eventually, I made it to the team. Eventually, not not only sorry, not only did I make it to the starting team, I made it to be captain. I made it to national to the national team. I made it to be captain of the national team. I won a few MVP awards. So then transitioning into weightlifting and powerlifting, those sports came relatively easy to me. In, uh-huh. in the sense that I just kind of knew the first time that I grabbed a barbell that I was going to be good at it. Like I was just picking up picking up the skill a lot faster than everybody around me and progressing a lot faster than everybody around me. Which is, which. those are two things that are really good indicators that you might have. The talent that's required sure. for the sport. Just the, the rate of progress and the speed at which you acquire the new skill. Mm-hmm. So those
1: are- and you also have people in both sports who identified that really early on. Camilo in Olympic weightlifting, and then me in powerlifting,
0: and then Kareem in boxing. And then
1: Kareem in boxing. Oh, and boxing too. Yeah. So that's
0: that's where I was getting to. But I think that if I that had I not had that experience with soccer, that it was so challenging and so difficult for me, and just full of failure and like people telling me that I was never gonna make it, kind of thing, I wouldn't have developed the the grit and resilience to to push through tough times, you know? Yeah. Um, but then with boxing, it was more so similar, like I was saying, it was more so similar to powerlifting where I'm not saying that I was great the first time I was hitting the bag, but I knew that what was required of me was something that I could definitely polish.
1: Sure. You know, I, you you can see it with, with anyone boxing now, right? Like you can see someone who's never done had any boxing training, throw a few punches, hit the mitts, you know, and, and be like that person has it or doesn't. Yeah you yeah.
0: know mm-hmm. because there's there's a couple of things that that you absolutely have to have in order to even like consider pursuing a boxing career. So one is the ability to take punches, obviously. You know if 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 you don't like it or if you're afraid of it or if you if you
1: have a glass jaw.
0: <laughs> yeah, or if you get hit and you immediately go to the ground then obviously you just don't have what's what's required, right? Um but yeah, but outside of that, and I don't know. It, it, you what know, are the
1: things you do need?
0: The things that you do need? Yeah. Um, you need to be coordinated at the very least. Like you need to be able to coordinate your feet with your hand. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to understand body mechanics and how power is transferred from your feet to your hips to your upper extremities. Wh-
1: what does that mean for somebody who doesn't have a biomechanics background? What does understanding biomechanics mean? Like you know it means
0: yeah it means understanding what the role of each part of your body is in terms of force production you know where where do you need to start pushing pulling generating force generating speed from and how is your body need to be moving in order to achieve that you know you, you need to be you need to have really good body awareness i think that's what what most people call it body awareness or proprioception. Right,
1: yeah. Proprioception. You know,
0: you just need to be to be able to orient yourself in space really well and and, and, and be able to um, to coordinate movement movement patterns. I think that's what it comes down to.
1: Anything else that's like that you found was really important?
0: Um
1: like a habit or you either have or you don't, sort of thing.
0: A, I think uh, the ability to find pleasure in monotony. So that's the thing that I said, man, Olympic weightlifting and powerlifting prepared <laughs> me for this perfectly. Jet. You know, I've done the most boring sports on planet Earth. The most monotonous, boring sports, painful sports on planet Earth, weightlifting and powerlifting. <laughs> don't care what anyone says. Listen, if you don't care if you've done it a couple of times. Like, have you done it for 10 years? Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. And well, a sport being like inherently boring doesn't mean you can't enjoy it, right? Like you can enjoy what comes of the monotony of training. So like, don't get that wrong. It doesn't mean you don't like powerlifting, right? Like I love powerlifting. I really enjoy competing and I love hitting PRs. And the,
0: and the feeling of getting stronger and achieving goals.
1: And and all the suffering that went into that training cycle for you to hit those PRs. Like especially the longer you're in the game and the fewer and farther between those are. Uh-huh. Those are the parts of powerlifting that are enjoyable. But like the day-to-day, what you have to do in the gym, I mean, there's a reason why we're sitting talking for 15 minutes trying not to fall asleep between sets. Like <laughs> We're just trying to get through it. Yeah. That's why people are playing crazy screaming music and all yeah. that stuff. You know?
0: and, and sniffing ammonia and shit.
1: Slapping each other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's funny because when I first started getting into boxing, I remember the first time I, I went over to uh, the Muhammad Ali Boxing Training Center where Mundo yeah. Boxing is. And uh, Despa was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, yet now you're really excited because this is brand new, but like, wait until you've done it all. And I'm like, listen, I am, if anything else, I am a master of the mundane. I've mastered boring Yeah. To the best, like to the highest level. Like nothing that I do here is more boring than anything I've done for the last 10 years.
1: Right. Yeah, 100%. Because. And it's all novel. Well, it is all novel to you now, which is obviously makes it more exciting. Um, But it's like the same way we used to say about CrossFit, why that's a more, uh, like an easier sport to stick to than Mm -hmm. powerlifting. Because there's a million different things that you can work on. Mm -hmm. It's not just squat, bench, and deadlift.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, there's infinite things that you can get better at in boxing. There's your striking. There's your, your strength, your leg strength, your back strength. There's your hand-eye coordination. There's your reaction. There's your footwork.
1: And even within all of those categories, there's subcategories, right? Yeah. Like there's not just striking. How many different types of punches can you throw? How many different combinations? Combinations
0: and rotations and slipping. Different and, bags yeah. that you can practice your striking
1: yeah. on and yeah. you know all that stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So for me, all of that is fascinating. Just as a as a scientist, as an academic, just getting into that and and now trying to figure that out as well is is fulfilling and entertaining as well. Um. How did we get here?
1: Um. We were talking about just how you became, or how you oh, it became your whole like, fact- sort of journey so far. Yeah, and and, and how and
0: how did I land in boxing with the yeah. the lockdown and such, and, and why 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 that was a that was a question. Um,
1: so, we got there, we got back. Yeah, <laughs>
0: we're we're back, <laughs> bringing it back. Um, yeah, no, so obviously that was a that was a pretty vulnerable point in my life because I thought I was gonna, you know, either have to take uh, a significant break from the sport and, and not have that for a while, or I was gonna have to maybe leave it. You know, if my if my uh, if my injury didn't get better, I just didn't know. Um, But again, I don't know, man. Like I I just wasn't ready to not to not be an athlete. Yeah. No, I I wanted to. I I feel like I still have the energy and and I'm in pretty good shape, even though I'm 21, 21. (laughs) even though I'm 29. uh, I feel like I'm still in good shape and I'm I have time, resources and energy to spend and to, and to master another sport or a last sport, maybe, uh, yeah, professionally.
1: Well, you're fortunate, I think, in a number of ways. I think I think that, honestly, the good of this influencer boxing might be that it's going to show people that there are, there is a different route than having to fight, you know, work your way up from the gutter, fighting your entire life to get an opportunity. You know, there's ways that you can make money now outside of a sport while still participating in it that can provide you better opportunities to get better at a sport Mm -hmm. like right now you have financial freedom you make your own schedule you have all of the resources to basically put your boxing development in a pressure cooker Mm -hmm. and just speed through what would probably take most people you know many many years uh, to gain sort of confidence in you, you can do that in a short period of time now, just because of where you're at, mm-hmm. you know. And you're seeing guys like Jake Paul, whether you like him or not, doesn't matter. He's, you know, developing skills that are kind of inarguable, you know. So I think that's I think that's that's cool. And you're and you haven't got your head smashed in for for 20 years already. You're coming into this fresh, so it's like you're an intelligent person, you know. You, and that's probably going to be one of your big advantages, just being smart, wearing IQ. Uh, you know, and and you you were banged up from powerlifting, but in a very different way. Completely, it's like you're starting way. fresh because it's yeah. so different how you were banged up for powerlifting versus uh, what getting banged up in boxing means. Yeah, you know, so yeah, I think absolutely. you're on a good trajectory. I would say so. What so? What's the next thing for you?
0: Uh, okay, so now I'm. Well, I have a uh, my fight is coming up in September 18. The date and location just got announced uh-huh. by Core Sports. It's going to be in Jacksonville, Florida, September 18th. I still don't have an opponent. A lot of people think I'm f- fighting a Avril, which I might. But since she doesn't have an opponent either.
1: Yeah, but right now you're both features on the card who right don't now have opponents. Correct. Yeah. As it stands on paper.
0: Exactly. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty entertaining card, honestly.
1: Yeah. You, what What's interesting is... Uh, this is actually kind of like an influencer boxing card. Um,
0: but with athletes.
1: But with athletes. <laughs>
0: like with people who have been competing their entire lives at the highest level of the sport. Yeah. Thor and Eddie Hall, both world's strongest man.
1: What I think is really interesting, though, is... Yeah, both you
0: have- with a 500-kilogram deadlift. Yeah. Actually, Thor has a 501-kilogram. <laughs>
1: um, I think what's really interesting, though, is you have two strong men boxing each other right? Two strong men doing a different sport. Then you have two CrossFitters boxing each other. So they're, again, stepping outside of their sport, doing a different sport. Uh, And then there's going to be you boxing a real pro boxer. You know, so it's like, in terms of entertainment value of like, yeah, it's cool to see the two like freakiest, largest guys you'll ever see get in the ring together. Whether or not it will actually be an entertaining fight is another question and we'll see. But if I had to bet, I'm like, I'm thinking, your fight's gonna be fight of the night. That's gonna be the one that um, you know, people are gonna be really curious about because mm-hmm. this is like you're the you're taking it serious. You're going the legitimate route. This is gonna count for your pro record. This mm-hmm. one, yeah, this will count for your pro record. So like the stakes are higher. You're not just going in there to get a million dollar payday and mm-hmm. then I don't have to do it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's the real deal. So yeah. That's yeah, really super cool. I
0: haven't seen much of Eddie's boxing, but Thor looks pretty good. I saw his last fight.
1: He got a lot better. He was Honestly. getting a lot of criticism early on, and I was like, "Man, I mean, have you seen any any boxers' first couple fights? Like, yeah. it, it doesn't look like no, no, Tyson,
0: no. you know? No, he he looks good. He, he looks good. His straight punches are solid. Good head movement. Good. You can, distance. He can definitely take a punch. He can take a punch. Yeah, no, he looks good. He looks good. We'll see. It's gonna be interesting to watch. Honestly, I also haven't seen any of uh, Hepner's training. Uh, the guy who's fighting yeah, Bridges. either.
1: I've seen bridge, some of Bridges. Yeah. And I mean, he's a crossfitter boxing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and he's a, he's a little older, so it's harder to pick up. But mm-hmm. respect to those guys, man. I think that regardless of who you are and and what your, you know, your opinion, whatever your opinions are about whether you like. People who aren't boxers boxing. I mean, you're getting in a ring with someone and you're fighting them. You know, mm-hmm. the the chance that you can get badly hurt is there. You know, there's a chance, albeit small, that you could die getting punched in the head in that ring. That that happens. You know, so.
0: Yo, let us let's, let's talk a little like before we leave last topic. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about uh, the people who are bitter about. Oh yeah. About this type of boxing. I'm yeah. not even gonna call it influencer boxing because it's not.
1: Yeah, um, I think entertainment th- boxing. So I, I put actually put a, a t- uh, I can't remember if it was a tweet or if I put it in my. It was your
0: story. I remember in my
1: story, and I put out exactly how I feel on this. Go on. And I th- my what I said was basically I think it's hilarious how you have professional boxers, um, you know, who have been boxing for their entire lives, perfecting this craft, you know really slugging it out trying to do this and respect you guys for, for doing that if you're listening um, but then you have these guys who come along in their first crack at it and make more in one fight than these boxers are making in their entire careers and then those very same boxers are going to social media and calling the guys making more than they've ever made in their whole career idiots I'm like what It's like, no, these are the guys that have it figured out. It's like, you know, you want to talk about fighter pay and all that stuff. I'm like, you know, you get when when all you have is the talent of boxing. And no business savvy, no other, no marketability, no audience that you've created for yourself. Okay, now you're at the mercy of the promoters and the federations to set your price for you. Mm hmm. You get paid what they tell you you get paid because they determine your worth because they're the one who's getting your name out there. Mm-hmm. But if you're a guy who spent 15 years building up a fan base of millions, and those are your fans, mm-hmm. they're, not, mm-hmm. they're not boxing fans, they're not any particular sport fan. They may also be that, but mm-hmm. they're your fans who follow you. You can go do anything. You can go have a dart match, play darts <laughs> in a bar. And you want to put it on pay per view, and you're going to make some good money off of that. Yeah. You know? So these guys are now at a point where they've earned the ability through intelligent business moves and entertainment, uh, entertainment value. Charisma, being entertaining, s- yeah. Or just if you're Jake Paul, being being a heel, being the guy that people want to <laughs> see get smashed, whatever, yeah. that's fine. But like they know what they're doing. They're yeah. not they're not accidentally stumbling their way into this success. They're they set their own price because they bring their audience and they don't need promotions to tell them what they're worth mm-hmm. they're not at the mercy of them so it's like i think there should be a lesson to boxers mm-hmm. i think boxers should see what's going on and they should
0: take notes honestly
1: yeah I, well, and some of them are there's a reason why a lot of uh ufc fighters are calling out jake paul right they want that payday mm-hmm. right and part of the narrative always has to be this guy's not a real fighter blah, 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 whatever because right? <laughs> that yeah. sells tickets for them yeah you know what i mean you know, so I get the UFC. The, I think, yeah, like I said, some of the UFC guys are getting it.
0: They're mm-hmm. trying to
1: get those fights.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so. Yeah, in
0: the end of the day. So, my, my point of view was that in the end of the day is, a, is an entertainment business, uh-huh. professional boxing, that is. And well, all sports. Well, yes, but I'm, I'm, I'm mainly talking about the contrast between professional boxing and, and amateur boxing at the level of the Olympics.
1: Oh, got it, yeah.
0: So, if you want to be fair and square, and you want to earn a spot, and you want to do it like that, based on like points and whatnot, and and having to do a certain amount of competitions and so on. Okay, you know nothing is preventing you from from trying to make a, an Olympic team. Nothing is preventing mm-hmm. you. If you want to be recognized as you know the best boxer in the world by the Olympic Committee and represent your country, nothing is stopping you from going in and and, and taking that route, right? right professional boxing is not like that there's no point system it's is it 100% political and 100% based on how many tickets you can sell yeah so you're going to be signed by a promotion and a management company based on that based on your personality your charisma your ability to entertain your fighting style you know your your record those are the things that count so i see i see some some boxers that are so bitter about it you know, because they don't understand that they don't understand that that's the name of the game right now, and and um, you know, ultimately, people, nobody is forcing anyone to pay for the pay per view or to attend these these events, right? Like this is literally like the demand that exists for this particular right sporting event. Yes, yeah,
1: so it's like what are you what are you mad at as a boxer when you see this? i'll tell you what you're actually mad at right what you're actually mad at is that people's preferences are for something else that isn't you (laughs) and that's not fair people are people vote with their money right so you know if if jake paul sells 1.3 million or whatever it was in Mm pay-per-views that's because that's how that's what the value of him having a pay-per-view event is Mm -hmm. and if you don't do that you don't deserve the same pay Mm -hmm. That's just as simple as that. That's how the market works, you
0: mm-hmm. know? Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like if, and if you are, and you can actually be a legitimate boxer and you play that game and you do all those things and, and make a ton of money, I think you're going to see more and more people uh, doing that now.
0: I also think a problem that those people have is the, the whole, they're disrespecting the sport thing, but the more I am in the game and I, I'm brand new to it, but I saw it with Jake versus uh Julian Lane. Uh-huh. Like the animosity Is that Jake
1: Boswick or Jake Bostwick, yeah.
0: The animosity that especially cuz Jake didn't have any animosity really for Julian, but the animosity that Julian had for Jake, I honestly think that it was uh um manufactured. Like
1: he needed it to motivate himself. Yes.
0: Like I I genuinely think that because at the end of the fight, did you see he, he Julian came up to me and Damian and Jake and was like, man, like it's, you know, all respect, like nothing but respect for you guys. Like that was a great fight. So I think that that a lot of the talk is just talk. It's just talk to entertain the public and to get themselves into the fighting mindset. Like I was telling Jake, I'm like, man, I wish that my opponent had a punchable face <laughs> so I could hate her in yeah. my mind, you know, so I just could get fired up to want to like. Oh, well, tell
1: the ring girl, girl story because <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was like. But you were doing the same thing there with that. You're like, totally. I, in your head, you wanted to interpret it as she's,
0: she did it on purpose to fight to be me. a,
1: be a, to offend you a hundred percent so that you could smash her, you know, it, yeah. you wanted to be motivated. And she may have meant it that way. I, we don't know, Maybe. but, but yeah. tell the story. Cause it's pretty funny.
0: Yeah, no, I was in the bathroom right before the public weigh-ins and, uh, this girl, the girl that was fighting, she walks into the bathroom and she sees me. I'm washing my hands as you should after you go to the bathroom. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, she goes, "Oh, hi!" Like in this like sweet voice, and I'm like, "Hi, how are you?" And she goes, oh, "Are you uh, are you a ring girl?" And I'm like, "You
1: were all prettyed up for the uh, press conference, right?"
0: Sorry, my hair was already braided like a fighter. Oh, was it? Yeah, I had my braided hair. I had a sports bra on, and I had a blazer.
1: No, but I mean, like, if she was trying to take a crack at you, it was because you looked all pretty and right, hundred percent, right? like a, yeah, okay,
0: yeah, like I looked doled up. Right. too dulled up in her opinion or whatever you know for a right. fighter so she just goes oh yeah you're are you uh one of the ring girls and i'm like i didn't take offense to it and, and still don't i don't think being a ring girl is an offense just before everybody starts freaking out about that <laughs> <laughs> i'm like you know
1: there'll be a few yeah
0: i'm like no like i was confused honestly i was taken aback i'm like no i knew who she was i go no she's like you're fighting i'm like yeah she's like what weight class and i'm like uh, the one, the only fucking female fight that there is. <laughs> we were the only females in the card. I'm like the 128 one, and he's, she's like, mm, okay, and I'm like, okay, see you later, bye, and I walk away, and then I'm like, I kind of I realized what had happened afterwards. I'm like, son of a bitch, because <laughs> like, did I just
1: get? Was that a, a light roasting?
0: Yeah. yeah. Did I just get
1: <laughs> slightly roasted?
0: Yeah. So I went I went out and like, like Hayden said, I, I wanted to be upset about it just to fuel my fire and like go out, out there like wanting to like... Make a point. Make a point, yeah. Wanting to just like crush it. So I think that a lot of it... So going back to the whole point about professionalism and disrespecting the sport and whatnot, I think that's also... It also shows their lack of understanding about entertainment and how that works, and how like fired up it gets the fans when you have banter or when you have like, you know, when you're like, when people see, and I know I do. Like I love seeing that, you know, when when there's two fighters talking shit, t- talking shit For to sure. each other. That's the best. You that's know? why
1: McGregor is so popular.
0: A hundred percent. So.
1: And Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is one of the best shit talkers in the game. Mm-hmm. You heard him on the mic, especially we, recently.
0: As as spectators, we live for those press talks, press conferences, where where they just like roast but each other. You
1: look at um, bare knuckle the this this card. You go look at the views and likes and comments. Uh, all the every weigh in was pretty respectful. The one where Julian headbutts Jake and then Jake slaps him in the face. Went viral. Went viral.
0: Legitimately went viral.
1: Went viral. Everywhere. I think that was on like Sports Center. It was was everywhere. Yeah. You know, so it's like, yeah. I mean, the views and the likes and ultimately the money talks Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. shows you what people like. Mm
0: -hmm. And again, listen, if you're a fighter and you got upset and you're getting upset about. Less skilled fighters getting opportunities, but maybe less skilled fighters who are loud. Maybe that's what you needed to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Masvidal said that he realized that. He said... Dude, look at Canelo. Even Canelo. Get the fuck out of here, man. Get the the fuck out of here, man.
0: (laughs) I'm going to fuck you out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So good. Canelo's awesome. But look, Canelo's getting way more attention than he ever has. Because he's learning. Because he's he's speaking English. He's being
0: mean, quote unquote mean. He's just getting the fans riled up. That's what he's doing, and I think that's what a lot of these fighters are doing, including Jake Paul. For example, look at uh, Floyd Mayweather. What he said right after the fight?
1: Well, uh, what did he say?
0: He said that that um, Logan was a great fighter. Oh, you
1: know, yeah. That it was a yeah. great
0: fight. That it was that he was skilled. That Jake is skilled too. You're kidding me? Like if they actually had an uh, like a legitimate issue with one another, uh-huh. that would not have happened. You understand?
1: Yeah, 100. So. You would have had a, a fight like uh, the Khabib thing where it all broke out after Khabib and McGregor fought, and the, you know he jumped over the fence, and the, that's real beef. Yeah, that's exactly. Real
0: beef. So yeah, I mean, guys, don't take everything so seriously. You know, just learn. You know, take a seat back.
1: And look at what they're doing, the ones that are all being very successful, and do that.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. You know? um, anyway, it's a good is, place to
0: stop. For uh, happy today. anniversary. Happy anniversary. Love you. Six years. <laughs> Six County, years. Going strong.
1: Six years with the old ball and chain.
0: With the old ball and chain? Yeah. What does that mean?
1: That's what, what oh, uh, like, like, old-timey dudes used to call their wives.
0: Ah, <laughs> like, I have you prisoner.
1: I guess so. <laughs> it's just terrible imagery. Yeah, it's terrible. Not good. You're not that, I promise. Well, thank you. <laughs>
0: I'm not holding him hostage, I swear. <laughs> Easier <here> by choice. <laughs> Some days. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, if, uh, uh, um, what's the thing we always say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Make sure you screenshot this episode while you listen to it. Sorry, it's been a while. It's been a while since Melon Mike. Make sure you screenshot this episode while you're listening to it. Tag me, tag Steffi, tag Hybrid Unlimited. Uh, if you want some brownie points, why don't you write something uh, you liked about the episode? And uh, we select from those people uh, who do that one person to get a an entire drop. Uh, of Hybrid unlim- or hybrid Legacy Swag. If you don't know what Hybrid Legacy is, check us out on Instagram or at hybridlegacybrand.com. Uh, we've got all the dopest uh, streetwear, gym wear. We sell everything from hats to shoes to slides, shorts, everything in between. Um, and check us out on the new Hybrid Strength Coach app as well. That is, This is an industry-leading app fitness experience uh, we have a bunch of programs on there now all of our all of our main ones are slowly making its way over we have Matt Fraser's program the Hard Work Pays Off program on there uh, they're freaking awesome and unlike anything else I've seen every single day of this of all of those programs have uh, a, a video at the beginning of them where you have the coach of that program literally walking you through the whole workout uh, explaining what the point of the week and the workout is uh, and all of that stuff our online community is now on Discord. Check that out as well, um, and uh, yeah, give us some uh, reviews uh, on the on the both on the app and on the podcast. We always appreciate those positive reviews.
0: Yep. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys for your support, and as always, I'll catch you guys on the next hybrid on the Mint episode.
1: Bye. See ya.